Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I hope everybody's doing well. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins, and today I'm going to talk about a lawsuit being filed against Shaquille O'Neal, Tom Brady, Steph Curry, and a lot of other people who got wrapped up in this major, major problem, this major scandal that involved a company called FTX and a billionaire, former billionaire by the name of Sam Bankman Fried. So get comfortable, buck up your seatbelt. We're going to get started on the Black Financial Channel right now. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to the Black Financial Channel. That's theblackfinancialchannel.com. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. I am your friendly neighborhood finance professor. On the Black Financial Channel, we talk about black wealth and black economics every single day, sometimes as much as 10 times a day under one condition. The condition is that we are black first. Black first means we put our community at the top of our priority list. Black first means that we educate our kids. Black first means that we believe in black people being the most economically intelligent people on the planet. Uh, you're not, you know, the Jewish people are not better than you. So stop believing that. Uh, black first also means that uh, we believe in the B1 philosophy, which means we must be one to be successful. That means be one with yourself, be one with your culture, be one with your family. Uh, that's how you can succeed in life, in my opinion. So anyway, shout out the city that you're from. Everybody tell me what city you're from. I see El Hodge and Karen and Robert James. I want to say good morning from Acola. I see um, uh, Cleveland, Winston-Salem, and uh, Elijah Cox. Good to see you. And uh, Leroy Dawson, Michael Watkins. What's going on, everybody? I hope you guys are doing well. Um, now, uh, so as we get started, first thing I want to say really quickly is uh, I want to warn everybody, if you get a, uh, a message from uh, someone that looks like me saying inbox me or here's my crypto I'm selling to you, I need you to know that that's not me. That is not me. I do not have a WhatsApp that you can call uh, to learn about crypto that I'm going to sell to you. Uh, and I have to warn you of that because there are lots of scammers out there that uh, take advantage of people when they get a big platform. You know, we have a few million people that follow us here. And, uh, and unfortunately, they uh, take advantage of people. So if you see those accounts, please report them uh, because uh, they're fraudulent. And, uh, and speaking of fraudulent, uh, there's a company called FTX. Uh, FTX is a, a big crypto trading platform, or it was. And uh, they were really doing some big things. Um, how many of you knew about FTX? Give me a yes in the chat if you heard about FTX uh, get, or, or if you've heard the name Sam Bankman Freed. Sam Bankman Freed is this um, really squirrely, weird looking white boy uh, who uh, was apparently pretty smart. I mean, he was able to be a billionaire at the age of 30 years old or something like that. Uh, he was actually born in 1992. <laughs> when you're my age, 1992, that's that's hilarious because I remember I remember 92. It was a good year. And so uh, Sam Bankman Freed uh, was this, um, you know, young genius who uh, went to MIT and everything else. I believe that's where he went to school. And uh, everyone kind of gave him a lot of credit for being just one of the smartest guys in crypto. Even I thought that maybe he'd figured a few things out because when everybody else was crashing and burning, uh, he wasn't. You know, he was actually able to go in and make acquisitions of failed companies uh, during the latest crypto winter, which is a really big deal. You know, in case you don't know, uh, it's during crashes and, and, you know, when the market breaks down that a lot of people make a lot of money, right? So uh, like Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett has made tens of billions of dollars during the worst economic times. And I, I'm gonna show you guys a picture of Sam Bankman free. There's his picture. He's, see, I told you he's a squirrely looking white boy. He's kind of weird looking, you know, he's got that, that crazy, crazy hair. And uh, and so Sam Bankman freed, um, ran FTX and he looked like he was uh, doing really well. And uh, it turned out that he wasn't. Um, he, uh, the company ends up going bankrupt 
And uh, in fact, I'll give you a little background on Sam Bankman Freed, and then I'm going to explain to you why Shaquille O'Neal, Steph Curry, Tom Brady, and all these other celebrities are being dragged into court with him. Uh, so according to the Wikipedia page, uh, they state Sam Bankman Freed was born March 6, 1992. So he's 30 years old. He's the founder and former CEO of FTX, a cryptocurrency exchange. FTX.us, its U.S. affiliate, and Alameda Research, a quantitative cr cryptocurrency trading firm. FTX experienced a solvency crisis in late 2022, which led to a collapse of FTX's native currency, FTT. Amid the crisis, Bankman Freed announced that he would wind down operations at Alameda Research and resign as, as CEO of FTX, which filed for Chapter 11. They don't finish the story, which could end with him going to jail or something because this guy, uh, he's in a lot of trouble. A lot of people are really mad at him, as they should be, as they should be. Uh, he lost a ton of money. Uh, they said his net worth peaked at $26 billion. Uh, in October 2022, he had an estimated net worth of $10.5 billion. However, on November 8th, 2022, amid FTX's solvency crisis, his net worth was estimated to have dropped 94% in a day to $991.5 million. According to Bloomberg's Billionaires Index, the largest one-day drop in the index's history. By November 11, 2022, the Bloomberg Billionaires Index considered Bankman Freed to have no material wealth. So this guy went from having $26 billion in net worth to literally having less money than every single person in this podcast. Literally, congratulate yourselves uh, because right now you are richer than the white boy that's on the screen. <laughs> and, and, and just a month ago, just a month ago, you would have been happy to be friends with him. You'd have been excited about doing business with him because he was worth $26 billion. Now you have more money than him. Uh, he would have to borrow money from you if he wanted to make a trip to McDonald's theoretically speaking. So uh, Sam Bankman-Fried um, apparently you know, took some took some risks that were unnecessary and uh, drove the company into the ground and uh, he's been vilified. And uh, as a result of that, a lot of people are getting hurt. And, uh, and, and what's interesting to me now, of course, I took great interest in this because when I was working on my PhD, uh, it's so funny. I, I, there was an article somebody wrote where, where they quoted me. They quoted me as a former academic or an ex-professor I'm not a former academic. I'm still an academic. Once you get a PhD, you have the PhD for life. So I'm always an academic. I'm not a former professor. I, I'm more of a professor than I've ever been because I teach more people than I've ever taught in my life. So so that's I so anybody who ever writes an article about me, don't use X, don't use former. I ain't X nothing. I'm I'm currently a professor. I'm currently an academic. I just teach my own people now. I used to teach, uh, you know, a lot of white and Jewish and Asian kids at Syracuse University, and they were very nice people. But um, now I teach black people. What's more important on this earth than to be a professor teaching black people? Can you tell me a, a more important a role I could take as a professor? I can't think of one. <coughs> so um, I want to just throw that out there. Uh, but with that said, you know, when I was working on my doctoral work, I remember one of the things I spent a lot of time studying, I worked under this guy named Rene Stoltz. Rene Stoltz is um, at The Ohio State University. He makes millions of dollars a year. I think he's one of the highest paid people in the entire faculty there because he's one of the world's leading experts in risk management. Uh, he's one of the world's leading experts in spotting and identifying uh, situations just like this. You know, he's like the doctor that can spot the cancer before it becomes terminal. And so what uh, I'm really thinking about when I see this whole situation is th that this was a big issue <clears throat> because this didn't just affect Sam Bankman Freed or just affect his company. This affected the credibility of the entire industry. It affected everything. It's it's like, it was like, you know, to find out that Sam Bankman Freed 
was going bankrupt is like finding out that Michael Jordan doesn't know how to play basketball or that LeBron James can't dribble and, and can't shoot. And he, he was never a good basketball player. We just thought that he was. And then you're like, well, wait a minute. If LeBron sucks, then what does that say about everybody else who's on the court with him? Uh, and so Sam Bankman Freed was kind of the poster child for crypto. He was the guy that was carrying the banner for crypto uh, in the middle of the crypto winter. He was going around and he was rescuing companies. He was positioning himself as the unofficial Federal Reserve of the crypto industry. So you got to understand the gravity of FTX going down. The gravity is, imagine if the Federal Reserve goes bankrupt. That's different from like, you know, Merrill Lynch going bankrupt. Like that's one company in the middle of an ecosystem. It's another thing when the leader of the ecosystem, the savior of the ecosystem goes down. So Bateman Freed has taken down a lot of people with him. Uh, and, uh, and, and it's interesting to observe because another guy that I worked with, he was actually the chair of my dissertation committee. His name was Andrew Caroli, Professor Andrew Caroli. He's at Cornell University now. And uh, now his expertise really complimented Renee Stoltz in the sense that while Renee was an expert on risk management, Andrew was a, uh, an expert on financial contagion. Financial contagion works just like a virus. You know, hachu, I sneeze, you get sick, everybody else gets sick and the virus spreads. Well, in this particular case with FTX, this was uh, a, a, a horrific, horrific example of extreme financial contagion because FTX was a super spreader. FTX going bankrupt is like a person who a good looking man with a terrible STD who has set, who that everybody was trying to have sex with. Everybody in the crypto industry was raw dogging with FTX. Go look it up. Everybody wanted, because there's another phenomenon going on here. This was another person on my dissertation committee. His name was David Hirschleifer. David Hirschleifer, uh, his area of expertise was uh, was um, the was herding, financial herding, that investors behave like sheep. So what happens is a lot of CEOs and a lot of company leaders and a lot of fund managers, they just follow the crowd. They follow the crowd. So, so while FTX is the handsome guy with the horrible STD, the financial STD, I wrote about financial STDs in my book, Financial Lovemaking. If you ever want to see like some weird analogies to help you understand economics, Financial Lovemaking might be a fun book to read if you want to read it. Uh, it's on Amazon somewhere. But so, so you've got this handsome man with a horrible STD that everybody wants to have sex with. And so he's Nick Cannon. He's getting everybody pregnant. Everybody's getting pregnant with these little, little infected babies. And then suddenly you find out that this dude was Magic Johnson, that, that he didn't just have the disease that was hidden, but he was giving it to everybody. And, and because of the herding effect, every company wanted to date FTX. Every company wanted to get in bed with FTX. All these like major players in the financial industry, I'm talking about established players with, with stellar reputations were like, I want a piece of that. I want a piece of that. All these celebrities were getting on board. I want a piece of that. Shaquille O'Neal, I want a piece of that. Tom Brady, I want a piece of that. They're naming sports arenas. I want a piece of that. Everybody wanted a piece of FTX. So the FTX bankruptcy is a crazy example of financial contagion because, Lord Jesus, they literally were connected to everybody. Everybody. I mean, if there has ever been, let me just say this. There's never been an event in the history of crypto that has been a greater threat to the existence of crypto. Like this is an existential sort of calamity here. It's just so many people are connected. And, and the thing is now that 
FTX has gone down, everybody's like lying about it. They're like, I, I, I ain't slept with him. I no, I did. I wouldn't. I would never mess with nobody like that. I'm smarter than that. But then they secretly go into the doctor to go get a checkup. They're like, damn, do I, do I got it too? Right? And, and this is funny, you know, because um, <laughs> I'm going too far with my analogies, but. I don't know. Give me. I hope it helps. I hope you hope it helps you understand it. This is how weird I am. I just see things in different ways. But uh, I remember when Magic Johnson, you know, made the announcement that he actually did have that disease, and a lot of people were thinking about Magic. Like poor Magic. This is sad for Magic and his family. Poor Cookie, right? Because we know Cookie was laying down with Magic. Cookie is Magic's wife. But then there were other people who were thinking, like, what about all the women Magic slept with? All those people Magic slept with. They're all in the community. They're all spreading things, right? And then there were NBA players who said, man, when I found out that Magic, you know, had the, the virus, I just stopped at the side of the road and I just cried and cried and cried. And my friend made a joke. He said, I think the reason that they're crying is because they were all sleeping with the same women. And so I don't know how true that is one way or the other, but that's the issue here with FTX. FTX going down is one thing, but FTX going down was huge because FTX was becoming something that no crypto company had ever become. They were becoming the champions and the poster children of all the crypto. And Sam Bankman-Fried was the Michael Jordan of the crypto industry. So he wasn't just a regular player. He was the player. He was becoming the Federal Reserve. He was becoming the JP Morgan. So so, so what's really interesting to me and let, let's speak. Let's speak first. First, let's speak about these lawsuits. OK. And before we do that, if you could, could you please take one moment, hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, thumbs up, share, subscribe. Please make sure you hit the notification bell. The notification bell <clears throat> is really important when you subscribe, because that's the only way I can connect with you, uh, because, you know, sometimes you you talk a little bit extra black and they, you know, your channel gets shadow banned and all that. So if you hit the notification bell, you'll be notified. Another backup way for us to connect is for you to text me. Text the word voice to 31996. If you text voice to 31996, I won't bother you much, but I will let you know uh, when we have something going on that you might want to be a part of or whatever this may be. You'll be invited into our into our family. <clears throat> we love, <clears throat> excuse me, we love educating our, our people on wealth. And you ain't got to be black to be here. I just, but black, but I am black first. All right. So, um, so, it, so let's go to the celebrity lawsuits. So Tom Brady, Shaquille O'Neal, Steph Curry, Naomi Osaka, and a few others are all connected to FTX. Again, because everybody wanted to sleep with FTX. Everybody wanted to get in bed with FTX. So all these celebrities were getting massive amounts of money, uh, massive amounts of equity in FTX. I imagine Tom Brady's pretty pissed off. Tom Brady's one of my favorite football players. I just, I just love, I'm sorry, y'all might get mad because he's white, but Tom Brady's a bad boy. I mean, if you're a football fan, you got to be a fan of Tom Brady and his accomplishments. And uh, and so Brady, uh, you know, he's he's probably pissed off for two reasons. One, he's getting a divorce. That that right there is going to eat a big chunk of his wealth, maybe half of it. And then on top of that, he's got this FTX debacle. And from what I understand, there, there are claims that his, he and his wife had hundreds of millions of dollars tied up into FTX. So a lot of money got lost. Um, and, and my heart goes out to all the people that put their money on this exchange. Uh, a lot of that money isn't coming back because allegedly Sam Bankman-Fried uh, was was using uh, in, in investor deposits uh, in order to go make his own investments and in whatever in Alameda Research, uh, another company he had that was connected to FTX. Uh, that's a big problem. That's where I wonder if someone's going to send him to jail for that. At the very least, somebody's going to catch him on the street and beat his ass because some people lost everything. Now, here's what I want to warn you guys about. Look, here's the deal. 
Um, you'll never hear about me losing all my net worth because one company went down. You'll never hear about that. The reason you'll never hear about that is because I don't put all my money on one exchange. You don't do that, especially my Lord, especially not in the world of crypto. What I see in crypto, and I'm going to sound like an old man when I say FTX, what does FTX stand for? Let me see what, yeah, that's a good question. Somebody asked that question. Let me, let me look it up. I don't know. Let me see. <laughs> what does FTX stand for? Uh, FTX stands for. Oh, it's just futures exchange. Okay, <laughs> there we go. All right, so um, all right, so there that's what FTX stands for. All right, so um, the you know so 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 the reason you'll never hear about me losing all my money because one company went bankrupt is because one of the most fundamental rules of investing is that you have to spread your money out. You never ever put all your money in one place. You don't. You definitely don't put your money in one company. Uh, you don't put your money in one industry. You don't put your money in one asset class. You don't put your money on one exchange. I keep my money on several different exchanges because if the technology goes south, if there's a hacker that breaks in and steals all the money, then my money's gone or my, or my money's tied up. In court. I don't even put all my money in one bank. And I know if banks have FDIC protection, which crypto exchanges do not. And so um, effectively, what I what I see with the FTX situation as well is, you know, even though I, I just want to go like like beat this kid up for like being so silly um, and getting ahead of himself. It wasn't completely his fault in the sense that that what basically happened is you um, is that you found out the emperor had no clothes because somebody forced the emperor to go outside with naked. Like they 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 it's like it's like you're in the water and below the water. Everyone says I have a, a three piece suit on underneath this water. Well, somebody basically pulled the water down and it showed that they didn't have the clothes on. And then suddenly everyone lost faith in the in this company. Now. Do I think that it's a good or bad thing? Um, you know, I don't know. It's it's life. It's how things work, right? But at the same time, uh, I think that had Sam Bankman freed and his investments not been questioned publicly by the uh, head of a, of a rival company called Binance, I don't think any of this would have happened. Uh, and this, but this really also reveals the fundamental fragility of crypto. A lot of crypto is driven heavily by uh, investor perception. It's driven heavily by trust and that trust is fragile in a fragile economy. You know, in this economy, trust is a a really hard commodity to hold on to. And once it's gone, then wealth disappears. And, and in fact, in the black community, part of the reason our wealth is not what it needs to be is because we don't have trust. Because you have to trust somebody to give them your money. You got to trust somebody to hire them. You got to trust somebody to invest in them. You got to trust somebody to buy from them. You got to trust somebody even to make a product for them. If I'm a business owner and I make products for black people, I got to trust that the consumers are going to support me. Do you understand what I mean? When we did the All Black National Convention, we had to invest a couple hundred thousand dollars to make that happen. I had to trust that my people are going to show up and, and, and have our back, right? Because if we throw out that money and nobody shows up, then guess what? We lose. We lose money. Right. So ultimately, trust is huge. And in this crypto space, trust is uh, is, is not only important, but it's very fragile. And the, 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 what, the biggest mistake I see uh, from Sam Bankman Fried and others is that sometimes greed and arrogance can cause you to to overplay your hand. There's no reason on this damn earth that they should have had all that leverage in an industry that is this fragile and the trust can be broken so quickly. There's no way. And, and and even beyond that, the people that gave them the debt, they didn't do their due diligence. They all basically behaved like sheep. They followed the crowd. All these big name investors 
loaned their credibility to FTX because they were basically investing in the company because everybody else is doing it. They were basically that person who literally should have said to the, you know, before you lay down to sleep with somebody, I need a, a STD test. I need a, I need re, your STD results to see if you're clean. But you slept with that person because the, the five people before you all told you that that person was clean and you didn't do your own due diligence. You leaned on the alleged due diligence of other people that they weren't doing either. Somebody missed the fact, like, seriously, if somebody had gone through carefully and really looked in detail, and somebody eventually did that, by the way, that's what cracked everything. If somebody had looked at FTX's finance in extreme detail and done their due diligence, none of this would have occurred. They would have said, no, this is too risky. We're not we're not allocating our capital in that direction. Uh, this is not because if things go wrong, this could go bad. But instead, sometimes greed and arrogance can drive you to go a little too far. So uh, to me, what can occur, I can imagine. Again, I'm not 30. I'm 51. If I were a 30-year-old billionaire, it would be very easy for me to falsely believe that I can do no wrong. It would be, you know, if I'm a 30-year-old billionaire who's never really seen any significant economic slump, who's never seen the whole world crash and burn right before me, then it's very easy for me to think that my shit don't stink, that everything I do is going to turn to gold and I'm always going to win. I cannot lose. And uh, and I'll tell you what, uh, you know, with Tom Brady being one of the guys named in this lawsuit, uh, if you watch Tom Brady long enough, you know that there are some days where Tom Brady has a bad game. He doesn't go on the field and win every single game. He's always preparing and playing uh, to, uh, to prevent losing the game, right? Because he knows he can lose, you know? And I think that with Sam Bankman Freed, I wonder if this was a young guy who just thought he could never lose because 26 billion is a lot of money. And I'm going to tell you what, if I had that kind of wealth at his stage, not to armchair quarterback it, but number one, I think all that leverage was insane. Just because people are willing to loan you money doesn't mean you need to take it. Uh, number two, I would have gotten as much of my money out of crypto as I possibly could. I would have been buying real estate, which is a much more stable investment. I would have been buying stocks and and in Fortune 500 companies. I would have my, and that's what I thought he did. That's why I thought that he was able to withstand the crypto winter a little bit better than everyone else. Because I said, okay, here's a guy who seems to to get it. He seems like a guy that didn't go into excessive greed. He didn't uh, over leverage. He didn't uh, under diversify and put all of his money into crypto. He's not that stupid. He's smart. Well, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and say he's just dumb and crazy and stupid, but I am going to say that he took some risk that um, is going to cost him for, for the rest of his life. Uh, he may end up going to jail. Uh, he hurt a lot of people. And now um, you're going to see a ton of regulation in crypto, which is going to be very good for crypto. Uh, if you want to know what I'm doing, I'm buying lots of Bitcoin because I believe that eventually when the dust settles, uh, the whole industry is going to be um, much more stable um, than, than, than it was before, right? So anyway, do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, share, subscribe. I want to remind everybody uh, tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Thursday night, um, we're doing uh, the second week of our options training camp, stock options training camp. Uh, everything from the previous week is recorded, so you can have all of that. So it's not too late to join us. If you'd like to learn about stock options and how to make it work for you, um, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm doing the stock options training camp. You can go to boycewalkins.com if you'd like to see that, or if you're on Instagram, you hit the link in my bio. And also this weekend, Michelle Walker Davis is an expert on writing grants and getting government contracts, which can be huge. Like they can literally change your life overnight if you get the right government contract or if your 501c3 gets a grant or they even have grants for businesses too. So if that's of interest to you and you want to learn how to break through 
all of that, then you can actually go um, to boyswalkins.com. That's the 19th and 20th. And somebody just reminded me that today is Thursday. So actually it's tonight. So sorry, I said tomorrow. I meant to say tonight. My apologies for that. Okay, let me see. I saw uh, somebody said, how liquid is crypto? Um, I think crypto is as liquid as you as you make it out to be. Um, one of the problems with DeFi and everything else, in my opinion, is that you have companies operating as banks, but they don't have the experience uh, nor the capitalization uh, to actually be well-functioning banks. See, what's happening in crypto, in my view, is nothing but a re repeat of what's already happened in the U.S. economy. This is a reminder of things that happened in the broader economy during the Great Depression. So after the Great Depression happened, they came back and said, how do we create trust in the system? That's when they they developed, you know, excuse me, the Federal Reserve as a lender of last resort. That's when they developed things like FDIC protection. They put those things in place because they learned how important trust is to prevent a run on the bank. So ultimately, um, you know, that that's that's kind of what crypto doesn't have. So. Uh, if you're going into the DeFi space and you're loaning out, you know, you're staking your crypto and you're getting these really high interest rates, that right there should be a warning sign. Typically, when something seems too good to be true, it probably is. So when they're offering you these really insanely high uh, rates of return, you know, and the bank is only offering you like less than 1%, uh, it's, it's more now, right, because the Fed has increased interest rates. But basically, you have to always ask yourself, where's the extra risk? Where's the risk? It's like if I get offered a job of, of, of taking a grocery bag down to somebody's house once a day and I get $10,000 a week to do that job, I should be asking, what's the risk? What's in this bag? What are the th worst things that can happen to me? If you don't ask those questions then you're not thinking about uh, the issues. Let's see. Somebody says, um, what do you think about DL Hughley's response to you? I, I have to go check it out. Um, I don't live, I don't pay much attention to guys who are employees in the Democratic Party. So <laughs> no disrespect to DL. We got mutual friends and I've known DL for a long time, but but, uh, it, you know, I, I don't dislike the guy. I think he's trying to do the right thing. But um, I personally am a believer that black people don't have to be tied to any political party um, unconditionally. I think that uh, if you want to vote Democrat or want to vote Republican, I think that, that it's your right. But I think that the best way to move forward economically as a people is for us to uh, just not be pre-committed to any political party. Like, I think that we should say, I'll vote for whoever gives me the best deal. And I think that's the best approach. Um, it's just like looking for a job. Like, why would you tell your employer, like, oh, I'll take the job. And they, they ain't even offered you the salary yet. <laughs> You've turned down all your competitors and, and they haven't even told you how much money you're going to make or how many hours you're going to work, but you commit to taking the job and throw away all your other options and opportunities. That don't make no sense. Give me a guess or no if you get what I'm saying. So uh, so no disrespect to DL, but, you know, unfortunately, a lot of, of your most prominent Black people are connected to the uh, Democratic Party. Uh, I think a lot of it comes into money is money's my thing. So I always look for the money. So a lot of individuals that run uh, media outlets, they get paid big time when it's election season. And who's going to pay them, you know, for advertising or to have certain people on their platforms? Well, it's going to be the Democrats. Right. So the Democrats show up with a big bag of money. That's where all that money goes. Most of the money, the, the billions that they raise to run for office, most of that money goes to advertise or a lot of it goes to advertising anyway. So uh, if you're running a struggling black media outlet and you need money, uh, you know, to pay your bills and the Democrats show up with a big old bag of money like Santa Claus, uh, why wouldn't you take want to take that money? You know, I, I mean, I get it. I understand. But I think that it needs to be sort of revealed and, and understood so you can kind of take their their words with a grain of salt. You know, I've, I've, I've talked to rappers that told me that they went on certain shows and they were told that they can't mention anything other than the Democratic candidate, that if they even even mentioned Bernie Sanders, Back when Bernie was running, that one guy was said, he said, they told me that if we, you even say the words Bernie Sanders, we're going to take you off the air. 
I don't think that that's fair. I think that we um, I think you do your best for other people. The best way someone can serve you is by allowing you access to all the information that allows you to make an informed decision. So that's my two cents. That's where we um, ideologically disagree. But I don't think he's all bad. I don't, I don't, I don't think he's a dumb guy. I just, you know, I, I'm just not, you know, I'm not a cheer, here to cheer, be a cheerleader for any political party. Um, so I, I'm a cheerleader for you. All right. So so let's so in terms of these lawsuits with, with Shaq and um, what was it? Shaq, uh, Tom Brady, Naomi Osaka. And there are a few others. Uh, Larry David, the founder, the creator of Seinfeld. And there's a lot of others in there. I remember Floyd Mayweather and Kim Kardashian were fined for promoting the crypto. Um, I think that what's going on here, and I'm wondering how they're going to regulate this, but there is a big issue where you have so many cryptos out here that are just absolute garbage, right? So uh, in fact, there are 12,100 different cryptocurrencies that have been technically defined as zombie coins. And these are coins that have no inherent value. There's no ecosystem around the, the coins or anything. It's just all hype. So uh, if you have a zombie coin and you're dealing with a society where financial literacy isn't necessarily the highest priority um, and people tend to follow celebrities, then uh, then the the easy trade is to uh, create a coin. Right. And you create, you know, a billion units or 10 billion units of this coin. And then you uh, put them out on the open market for a quarter, 25 cents a piece. And you keep 90 percent of the coins for yourself. Right. So uh, they're 25 cents a piece. You got 10 billion. That's two point five billion dollars that was created out of thin air. So then what you got to do is you got to get people to believe in this coin. So what's the best way to do that? Well, if I've got a little bit of money, I can go to a Kim Kardashian who will let me pay her $100,000 to tweet something out to, you know, 100 million people. And uh, and I say, okay, Kim, here's 100K, tweet out this coin and say, I think this coin's a good investment. Then what happens is she tweets it out. Uh, next thing you know, a bunch of people, they inject real value into the coin because they're all going out and buying this coin for 25 cents a piece. So suddenly the coin's uh, market value is 25 cents or higher. And guess what? You've got 90% of the coins. So you literally become a billionaire overnight because you've got a couple billion dollars worth of coins that were worthless before Kim Kardashian and her audience breathed life into the coins. So a lot of times the magic of economics, this, the scary thing about money, and this is actually to some extent kind of true for fiat currency too. Fiat currency is not that far apart from cryptocurrency, but there are subtle differences that kind of just kind of just sort of make one safer than the other. But basically uh, things become real when you believe in them. Uh, in Peter Pan, when they asked Tinkerbell, are fairies real? She said, fairies are real if you believe that they're real. Fairies are real if you believe that they're real. If you don't believe that they're real, then they're not, right? So, and that's literally it. Perception is reality in economics. And that's something you have to be really careful. That's why, um, you know, when we talk about economics in the Black Business School, I love to incorporate things like perception, psychology, emotionality, because that's a huge part of finance. That's what they call behavioral finance. That was what I, that was when I wrote my dissertation, I wrote it on financial psychology, behavioral finance, stuff like that. A lot of our human behaviors play a big role in how economics works. And the thing is that you, the reason you want to regulate, modify, and be very conscious of your own behavior and your own processing is because if you have the wrong behavior, like for example, if you herd like sheep, then guess what? People spot that. People that are conscious spot that. It's like being at a party. If, if everybody's drunk except me, then I have a huge advantage over the drunk people. If I'm there, if I'm a predator and my goal is to get something out of you, you're a pretty girl and I want to sleep with you. And I know you're, I know you're drinking, 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 and I'm not drinking anything. Then I know what's going on and you don't. Well, that automatically creates an, an, an imbalance of power in my favor, right? Or if I'm trying to get your money, uh, there are people that, um, why do you think casinos serve so much liquor and they give you the liquor for free? 
If you get drunk, are you going to gamble, tend to gamble more or gamble less? If you're drunk in the casino, are you going to be more careful with your money? Or are you going to just make it rain and throw it around? See, so, so financial consciousness, financial awareness is really important. Financial psychology is extremely important. Uh, my wife is a therapist. And one thing that she does for the students in our prime program, which you can feel, feel free to join. Uh, just go to my website, boycewalkins.com, or, or you can go to drboyceprime.com. Uh, this Sunday, she's doing a session on financial therapy. Every, every week we do financial therapy because if you get your mind right, then your money will be right. But if your mind's wrong, your money's going to stay wrong. And a lot of you were raised in an environment where the money mindset was wrong. Don't believe me? Go look back on the economics, economic nonsense that you saw happening when you were a kid and, and, and ask yourself, did this actually end up good or did this create chaos, stress, unhappiness and trauma? So it's time to grow up. So in this particular case with the crypto, I'm not going to sit back and say everybody was stupid. I don't think Sam Bankman Freed is a dummy. You know, I think that Sam Bankman Freed uh, had a risk that he he was not aware of, per se. And I just don't understand how on earth you can have such a fragile industry with so much leverage. I just don't get that part. And also, I encourage you. And when it comes to economics, I, I, I just believe that you really want to rethink capitalism and your commitment to being a hardcore capitalist, because capitalism is what drives a lot of greed. Um, you know, again, think about it. If you can make a billion dollars a year and stay completely safe. Why are you leveraging up trying to make 10 billion a year? Seriously. I mean, you're already big. Why do you got to have the biggest, you know, well, you, you, your junk is big in the bedroom. Why you got to have the biggest junk on the block? Why you got to be the king of the block? Why do you, if you're making a billion dollars a year and you're safe, super safe, no leverage, no nothing, what makes you feel like you got to scale up? What, why do you, do you need an extra $9 billion? No, you don't. You don't need more than a billion dollars. So ultimately, that's what capitalism does. So capitalism makes us want to be, it makes us want our company to be the biggest company and the biggest whatever. I, th I, I say leave that alone, man. You know, find find your, your financial freedom, um, find your bliss, find your happiness, find your safe space. And then at that point, you can stick right there. You know, so uh, let me see. Howard says, Kanye said, wait till I get my money right before he exercises plan to cancel his unfair business contracts within the industries. Yeah, yeah. You know, Kanye and I talked for a long time about that stuff with Adidas and everything. And um, I, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I hope Kanye doesn't mind me saying this, but I don't agree with him uh, pushing the issue as far as he did. I think that Kanye wasn't mad at all Jewish people. I, I'm going to say it like that. I think he was mad at certain people he'd done business with or people that were maybe controlling the music industry. Um, I'm mad at those same people, you know, and I think you could have said it in a way where you take on the vultures in the music industry. I mean, Dave, Dame Dash has talked about this for a long time, but if you say it wrong, then in every Jewish person on the planet is going to think that you hate them. And I don't think Kanye hates all people who are uh, from a certain ethnicity. I think that he was mad at certain people. And, uh, and, and, and I think that, the amount of money he was making from Adidas, a quarter billion dollars a year is a lot of money. A quarter, I mean, that's that's 20, what, $20 million a month, you know? And what I would love is I wish, I wish I, I wish I had $20 million a month to go and build black owned schools all across this country. You know, I, I don't get me wrong. I understand. I know, you know, yeah, we are, I, you know, sure. We're the original children of Israel and everything else. I, I believe that. I think that there's some merit to that whole argument but I'm not going to throw away a quarter billion dollars a year to make that point. 
You know, um, there's too much important work to do. And I think that um, we've got to get out of the whole chest thumping mode where it's like, I'm going to throw it all away just to make a point to you, just to prove to you that you can't control what I say and actually just start doing the damn work. Who cares what people think about you? Who cares if they if, if, if you're the original Jews and they don't think you are? I don't care. I want to go build schools for our kids. <laughs> I want to build businesses in the black community. I want to see black people win. I want to see my loved ones doing well. You know, that's what I want. You know, um, um, I, I don't I don't necessarily care a whole lot about. Sorry. Hold on. I don't necessarily wake up in the morning feeling like I need to go and fight other groups of people. I, I just want to love myself and love love the people around me, man. That's so that that's, you know, I mean, I you know. That that's so so I'll just honestly say I don't agree with Kanye letting go of the, of the Adidas deal because he's the only guy that can get that deal. He's the only guy that can sell one point seven billion dollars worth of shoes. Um, Adidas didn't want to end the deal. Adidas, um, you know, they needed him. They, their stock price dropped by 50 percent when when they cut Kanye out of there. And um, and uh, so they didn't want to let him go either. You know, they were like, dang, come on, let's let's figure this out. <laughs> you know, so so I just I don't know. I kind of feel like it's. You know, there's it's a lost opportunity, but then again, maybe he can get somebody else to make his shoes and distribute them and all that. And that's that's a lot of work. It takes a big team to do that. Um, so maybe maybe he's the one that has it right. Um, but I I personally would love to have just a fraction of that money because I, I'd like to go and fund a lot of these black owned schools out here that are doing great work um, that need money. Like and I think with our celebrities, I think we need to challenge our celebrities. Like you know. Don't run your mouth. Write a check. You know, don't tell me how black you are. Write a check. Um, you know, and um, that that's all that matters. Like, write a check. Do something. You know, don't 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 go spend, you know, five million dollars on a sports car and then not be willing to give five million dollars to a black owned school or to your own community, you know, or, or you write a check for 50 grand to black people to do a, to do the most important work in our community. But yet you go, you know. You're going to go give a bunch of money to European fashion designers or whatever who don't even like you, you know, so that's it. Um, let's see. Boys to date, you funded one school. Um, I might have funded Uhuru Academy, but I've actually funded several schools. Um, the schools I've, I've donated to and it's not a lot. It's, it's a few thousand dollars, though. Uh, I gave a, a, a few thousand dollars to um, Freedom Home Academy International in Chicago run by Marcus Klein, who I have a tremendous amount of respect for. <clears throat> um, I wrote a $3,000 check to, um, what's that school, uh, down in um, in Georgia, King Randall School. It was called the X School for Boys, but now it's called something else. And there are a few other schools um, that I've supported in different ways. Um, so anyway, that's my two cents. That's what I believe. But it's no disrespect on anybody. I don't want anybody to think I'm, I mean, it's Kanye's money. It's his deal. He can do what he wants with it. But I, I still honestly feel like I wish I wish that I wish that we did that the price wasn't so high. That's what I'll, I'll just say. I wish that the price wasn't so high. All right. So anyway, uh, if you could do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, share, subscribe if you haven't done it yet. Uh, also, make sure you hit that notification bell. Make sure you hit the notification bell when you subscribe so that you'll be notified. Um, if you want to join us for the op stock options training camp tonight at 8 p.m., you can go to boycewalkins.com. The link is right there or hit the link in the bio if you're on Instagram. Or if this weekend, Michelle Walker Davis, she's doing the two-day conference. I'll be there on getting government grants and government contracts. Uh, if that's something that you've always wanted to do, 
she is the person that can show you because she's done that to the tune of millions and millions of dollars. So these are the kinds of people we partner with in the Black Business School, and uh, and we got your back. All right, guys. So please have a great day. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Uh, and I will come back a little bit later. I'll see you soon. Take care now. Peace. Mm -hmm.